Hi, friends. My name is Landon Wietrich. My co-host is Braden Knobloch, and this is Inquire Inside. You're about to hear a conversation Braden and I had with a man who makes a living off of YouTube. Jason's channel, called Honest Finance, provides entertaining and educational content on financial topics from investing to increasing your credit score. At the time of this episode's release, Honest Finance has over 168,000 subscribers and 9.9 million views. This conversation begins with us talking about how Jason got started on YouTube and creating content, but then about halfway through, Braden asks about Jason's goals and plans for the future. Jason's response surprised us, and this episode ends with us talking about purpose, family, and how living off passive income isn't all that it's cracked up to be. Thank you for joining us as we inquire inside today, and we're going to jump right into the conversation. Jason, you were saying that you kind of started before the honest finance stuff, you kind of started like in YouTube and social media back in 2009. Um, when did you actually get started in finance in general? Uh, honestly, I was probably 19 years old. I read the book, rich dad, poor dad. And it kind of, it kind of just opened my eyes. And honestly, I think I got a little obsessed with it because the older I've gotten, I, I'm 37 now but I, I don't think money is the most important thing in life, but it is, it's definitely a tool that can be used for you. So, and I want to say that's kind of what Robert Kiyosaki teaches is, is it is a tool, right? It, yeah, it is. Because if you, if you understand it differently, <laughs> then you can, then you can utilize it in, in better ways. Yeah. So you said that was when you were 19, right? And yeah, then- I was probably 18 or 19. I read that book and then it started. I just kind of was obsessed with it a little bit. And then I, I got in, I had like Dave Ramsey's um, Financial Peace University that he had in the early 2000s. I had those in CD. And honestly, a lot of his information, I think is fine. But he had some really good tips on how to get lower insurance rates and things like that. And that I was always interested in because I thought this is so simple, but everybody can do it. They just don't know that it existed unless they heard it from him in that case. Hmm. So. so then from there, did you get into, did you become like a financial advisor? What, what did all that look like? No, I actually worked for an online retailer. Uh, that's where I did a lot of my social media and things like that. So I already knew how to do YouTube and I was just tired of people not listening to my advice. And I finally said, I'm just going to talk to somebody who will listen because I already knew how to do YouTube. So I just started it. I thought maybe I could get monetized. Maybe I could make a few hundred bucks a month and just talk about stuff that I liked talking about. And then a few of the videos took off and it, it worked out better than I thought. Um, obviously there's ups and downs, but yeah, I'm not a financial advisor. I don't have a degree in finance, nothing. So I'm just for entertainment purposes only, but, <laughs> but I do feel like that's kind of what life's about. You just learn and, and then, you know, you can take someone's advice or not. And I'm wrong on things too. <laughs> we all are. That's amazing. Yeah. So, and this was when, kind of like what we were talking about earlier, you said when you started this YouTube, this was before uh, Honest Finance. This was before Honest Finance, or was this Honest Finance? Oh, no, it never was Honest Finance. Okay. Uh, or okay. sorry, if you're referring to me starting my own journey to talk to people, that was Honest Finance. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So this was prior to that. Yeah, the online retailer was prior. And then I just decided, you know what, it'd be nice if I had control over everything that I produced, and whether stuff sticks or not, then I'm in control. And it's it's been nice, there's pros and cons, but it's worked out. And roughly what year was that, that you got started with the YouTube? Um. It's coming on five years. It was May of 2017 that I started the channel. I made I made two videos, I think, 
two or three and I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to take so much energy. And then I started back up that following December and something inside of me was just, I don't know, it's probably the algorithm probably makes you feel like things are happening. So it, it keeps you motivated <laughs> in the beginning. And then, uh, and yeah, I just went from there. So in five years, <clears throat> you're almost up to 170,000 followers subscribers. Yeah. That's amazing. It's amazing. And then I, um, I did see then on like your YouTube profile, I think you're upwards of 9 million views. Is that right? Yeah, that's possible. Okay. That's incredible. Um, Braden, don't let me take this too far. What, what, what you got? Uh, yeah, before, maybe before we jump into uh, some more of the details, um, Jason, are married kids? What's your family situation like? Uh, I don't, let's see. And, and share with what you're comfortable with by all means. Tom. Yeah. You know, I'm comfortable with everything. I'm mm -hmm. just not, I'm just not super comfortable with, um, certain sides of my family. I, I went through a divorce three years ago and yeah. I have three kids. Honestly, my life was fine five years ago, <laughs> right after YouTube started. Um, I'm not, I don't think they were the cause, but lots of changes. So I'm currently married right now. Um, and then I, and then I have three kids from my previous wife. Okay. okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> jumping in, I got a question here, Jason. What I really appreciate about your videos is the simplicity of, right. And, and, uh, I know you weren't trying to demean yourself, but you were saying, well, I don't have a major, you know, I don't have a college degree in this or, you know, our doctorate and so on and so forth. But, um, the simplicity of the videos is awesome. And just like you said, from reading rich dad, poor dad, or even implementing some of Dave Ramsey's, um, teachings, it, we all know it doesn't take rocket scientists, but what the real struggle is, at least from my perspective, I'm curious what your perspective is, is knowing what to do and actually doing it is two separate two separate things i mean your videos explain it and break it down so easily all we would have to do is pick up our phone um literally do some checking on some, whether that's uh, through a bank whether that's refinancing your house or vehicle or doing i mean checking your credit card information is on your phone but yet how do you I mean, how do you explain to people, like, it's literally all in the palm of your hand. It's just knowing and actually taking the steps to do it. I would just say it's a matter of uh, doing one thing at a time and, and then moving on to the next thing. You know, if, if somebody doesn't know anything about investing, I probably, I wouldn't recommend that they just start investing. I might, I might recommend that if they want to get their feet wet, they buy an ETF and I'd recommend a certain one for them. And then I would just, just call it a day because there, there is a learning curve to some of that kind of stuff, but you're right. Some things are only a phone call away. I mean, with, with your credit cards, for instance, um, a lot of people don't know this, but if you want a higher limit, a lot of the time you can just call them and ask for a higher limit. Or if you are paying interest on your credit card, you can call them and ask them for a lower interest rate because you want to stay a customer. And a lot of the time the credit card companies will, will give you a 0% interest rate for a year or something like that. And it really is as easy as just calling the number on the back of the card. But I think, I think people are just complacent sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And that complacency, I mean, and, and you as a business owner and we as business owners as well, that complacency seems to be one of the biggest obstacles or struggles, regardless of what you're doing, um, to, to keep motivated, to actually implement, um, the next strategy or, you know, for me, it's, it's the next, uh, sales goal or marketing. Um, you know, for you, it's probably, I'm curious how you stay motivated, continually putting out content. Cause one of the videos I watch, um, of yours, Jason was just how much work it actually takes for you to edit the videos. And that's new to me too, because I don't, I don't do a whole lot of social media. Yeah, I, I really, 
I don't know what the answer is other than to keep going. Yeah. Um, because if you actually look at my channel and if you, if you look at the content that's been produced over the last year, I'm not, I'm not getting a lot of traction like I used to. And so it's, it's really frustrating to, to know that I was getting a certain amount of views on most of my content and now I'm not. And so the work that goes into it is still the same amount of work, but I'm not getting the same results. And at all I keep telling myself is it's okay. We'll just keep going. And so it, it really is. It's real. I, I think, I think you just have to, you just have to keep moving. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I wonder what why side. that is. I, cause like you, you hear about, um, I, I watch quite a bit of YouTube and you're always hearing about the algorithm and how things are different than what they used to be. And you, you just wonder what's kind of going on behind the scenes at YouTube HQ, how they make the decisions that they do and why some YouTube channels seem to get so many views and then some, it's like they're getting shadow banned or something like that. It's just, it's very interesting. Yeah, I respect the shadow banning. I mean, if that, if that is real, that kind of stinks. But, but as far as everything else, the, the thing is, is yes, you can blame the algorithm, but at the same time, I'm in control of the content that I make. So A, I'm in control of how much I produce. I'm in, I'm in control of what topic it's on. And if certain topics do better than others, then I mean, that's kind of your answer right there. It's not, it's not YouTube that's saying, we don't, we don't want to promote your channel. They're saying, hey, there's other people out there that have the same topic that's a little more valuable in the sense that it's more entertaining and it gets the same thing across. So we just we just have to understand that it's it's not about the blame game. It's about shifting to the new trends and stuff like that. I like the perspective. Yeah. And one thing Brady and I talk about a lot on our podcast specifically is just really trying to take control of what you can control and not playing the blame game and, and truly holding yourself accountable. And so I, I, I can appreciate that attitude, Jason. Well, yeah, I mean, in life, you really, you really can only, I, I mean, your attitude, everything like that comes down to what you can control yeah. and, and everything else is out of that. I, I hear people freaking out all the time about these stupid hate comments they get. And, and I'm like, none of that is in your control. Why does it matter? I mean, if, if I get a good enough hate comment, you can pin comments on your YouTube videos so that they show up at the top. And if they're good enough, I'll just pin that one at the top. And then everyone will have a little battle with, with the comment. And I'm, I'm just like, I don't, <laughs> I don't care. I mean, it would, it would take a lot. It would take, I don't even know what it would take to have one actually offend me, <laughs> but you, you know, know I, it's not in my control. No, that's a, that's a great, and uh, you hear people say like, well, they're, they're strangers. And then like, and that's, that's very true. And that's why they don't know us. Anybody that would leave a comment like that oftentimes, if, especially if it's, if it's on content that we are putting out there, it might be different if it's on like Facebook and it's somebody that we do know posting <coughs> something un, unkind or disrespectful um, on a post that we made, but like on YouTube, it's, you know, these are going to be all strangers that really don't know you. And yet they feel compelled to be a keyboard warrior and criticize you. Um, it's interesting just with some of the other channels that I watch, they'll come with a video and like a week or so later, they'll come with a video addressing some of the comments they got, you know, like, well, yeah, a lot of people said this, so now I'm going to show you this side and that can be good or bad. Um, I think kind of what you're saying, Jason, is there might be a time to listen to the comments and, and forgive me, I don't want to put words in your, in your mouth, but I guess maybe let me ask you this then. Would you say there's maybe a time to listen to the comments and respond accordingly? Maybe if there's something that they're specifically looking for, or maybe something that you didn't acknowledge or realize at the time, but at the same time, I'm hearing you say the majority of the time you kind of just have to not, not pay attention to them. Well, as far as comments go, I still, 
will read all of the comments. Okay. As long as they show up on the YouTube studio app. Um, I don't know why, but sometimes, sometimes they don't. And I feel bad because I would have gotten to them, but I'm not going to get on my laptop every single day and check for comments. I'll do it on the app that's on my phone. Um, but yeah, if they're, if they're relevant questions, I'm happy to help them as best I can. And, uh, you know, I mean, a lot of people have very ignorant questions like, Hey, I've got a 17% interest rate on my car. I've got pretty good credit. Should I refinance? And it's like, what, what do you want me to say? Of course you should refinance. I don't, I don't know the backstory, but you need a better interest rate. And and it's like, this is pretty obvious. I don't know why you need my advice here, but yeah. And then, and then the hate comments, uh, whatever they might be, you know, I'm happy to give them the, a thumbs up if I think that they're funny or something, but otherwise I'll just ignore them, but I don't necessarily block anyone unless they're trying to spam or, um, there's a lot of scammers too on the finance Instagram pages lots and lots of scammers will duplicate your page and then try to message all of your followers and try to get money from them. So those guys are blocked as quickly as possible, but everyone else you can, can hate as much as you want. doesn't matter. But yeah, I do listen to that. I do read all the comments and try to help. That's awesome. Is that where you come up with um, your content, Jason? How are you, um, how are you staying in front of kind of the needs um, as far as videos that you're putting out there? Uh, some ideas come from con from comments. Some ideas have, um, and another way to do it is if, if you do have a video that's somewhat getting some traction, um, YouTube has access to all of the search terms that led people to that specific video. So sometimes there's other search terms that that people were looking up and then they happen to find that video. And then that leads me to make another video based on what they were looking for. So sometimes that helps. And then also uh, what the competition I would say is producing and what the trends are, you know. So if a competitor of yours, I wouldn't even call them competitors, but an, another person in your niche makes a video that's doing really well that you think you could add value to, then those are good ideas as well. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Um, circle back now to, um, I, I got a question on rich dad, poor dad, and, and kind of also Dave Ramsey's teaching and obviously the different philosophies of those two. Um, and I'm asking this for myself as well, because I, I sometimes struggle trying to balance out those two differences you had mentioned earlier, um, just with controlling the things that you can control, which tells me you like to take ownership of the things that you can control. And, and that, I, that resonates deeply with Dave Ramsey's teachings, discipline yourself. Um, don't, you know, delay pleasure, right. Um, so on and so forth. And then kind of versus the, um, the, the thing about Rich Dad, Poor Dad that is really exciting to me um, is using the benefits of, of the bank, of real estate, of obviously assets, right? But how do you balance that? What's Jason's approach to that? And how have you balanced that? I feel just curious because I've struggled personally with that. You know, honestly, I think, <clears throat> it's a, I think it's a hybrid of your personal values, Okay. Um, because I used to take Dave's advice basically like it was the Bible and, right. and I do not agree with that anymore because it, it, if in terms of like a marriage, you know, if, if you got the husband who absolutely is against credit card debt and a wife who is fine with credit card debt, that's kind of a problem if, if the husband feels like it's a sin and the wife doesn't. And, and a lot of people think credit card debt is evil. Yes, it's a problem, but, but what I've learned through my divorce and, and money wasn't, wasn't the biggest issue, but it, it's just family is so much more important than money 
because you can always get money back. And, and when you, when you're divorced, you can't, you can't really get your family back in the same way. And so my philosophy has completely changed through this traumatic event that I had over the last three years. And, and I think it's a hybrid approach now because I don't, I don't agree with Dave Ramsey saying that credit cards are evil. Yes, they can really get people into a ton of debt, but my gosh, like don't, don't ruin your whole family because, because you have some debt, because holy cow, you can, you can fix that in time. And so with the rich dad, poor dad approach with leveraging banks and everything like that, I would say don't hyperextend yourself either. Because I mean, right now the real estate market is crazy. The stock market has been insane the last few years. And, and I've still got a bunch of cash in a high yield savings account that pays 0.5%, which is about as good as you can get right now. And I've just let it sit, not because I'm not because I'm waiting for some magical moment, but just because I feel inside like I'm probably going to need that money within the next five years. And I don't want to stick it in the stock market and have the stock market crash. So, mm -hmm. or, or same with real estate. I don't want to buy a house right now where they're at the highest point they've ever been and the rates just went up. So yeah, I would say it's based on a hybrid approach with your own personal values. If that's the best advice I can give. I like that. No, I, yeah, I like that too, Jason. It, it sounds like it's coming from a place of, of wisdom and then also just caution to the, I mean, to the listeners and, and to those that are, um, yeah, I mean, taking it to the extreme can just be, right, can be difficult uh, when young men or young married couples or so on and so forth are so adamant about adapting this new uh, belief of finances that, everything else is backseat and sometimes, um, right. Cause a lot of, cause a lot of pain. So no, I appreciate your thoughts on that. Um, <clears throat> Landon, go ahead. Um, <clears throat> just, just a couple of thoughts. Um, like when I was young in my you know, late teens, early twenties and kind of throughout my twenties, and I've talked about this in the podcast before, but my, my money habits, money management habits were very poor. I didn't really know how I, I didn't really really know how to use money. I, I knew the basics and stuff like that. Um, my, like my parents had taught me fairly good morals and so forth, but at the same time, I I did not know anything about investing, and I didn't really know. I, I kind of knew what a budget was. I never really used one or anything, and so I, I racked up some credit card debt, and I'm thankful today I don't have any more. Um, but just in the past couple of years, I've been trying to be more intentional with how I use my money and, um, using debt versus just in a smart way versus just to buy whatever you want, or it's like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll pay, pay for that later. But I think there's a time and a place to go into debt. I think we would all agree with that, but it's, it's all about being smart with it. And, uh, so, but your videos uh, definitely like, like Braden was saying earlier, they're so simple. Um, I refinanced my truck just over a year ago and your, one of your videos was what really helped me. Um, I, I didn't know where to start. And, uh, I want to say my, my interest rate was almost, it was like 9% or something like that. It was, it was pretty high. And, uh, but I, I watched your video and you, you made it very simple. You recommended going to a credit union versus like, you know, a, a larger, larger company. And, and as I followed your steps to a T and got my interest rate cut significantly, and uh, it turned out to be much more simple than what I was imagining in my head. Because I think in the past, I'd always been kind of intimidated by financial matters. Um, so I'm trying to be more intentional with it now, but I guess I just kind of wanted to say thank you for that video because uh, my truck payment is significantly lower today because of that. Oh, good. Well, I'm glad I, I'm glad it could help because it's, it's absolutely right. Your, your local credit union is always going to offer the best rates. You really can't argue with that. And, um, yeah, you might as well try if you, 
don't know how good your credit is or anything like that, go in and see what, what you can do. Cause a lot of the time they can help you. Yeah. So that's what I think. Yeah. <laughs> Monthly payment. That's not, that's not the end all, but that's what we think it is because it's, if it fits in the budget, you're good. But you know, there's a big difference if 400 of it is going to interest of a $500 payment versus, you know, the opposite where you're mostly paying off the car and you're just paying a little bit in interest. So that's a great point, Jason, because I do think people can get caught up in that monthly payment. So like, well, as long as the monthly you know payment is this or that, and Braden, you can probably attest to that in the insurance world. Some people are just so focused on, well, I want the lowest monthly payment as possible. And it's like, well, your, your coverage is crap. I mean, right. so right. just, it's just something to <clears throat> kind of keep in mind. I think, you know, and Jason, you can correct me, you know, kind of my, this is from a Dave Ramsey perspective as well, not actually really, but I'm, I'm fine with borrowing money on assets that I see maintaining or increasing in value um, is kind of the approach I've taken and probably in, you know, my own life or my own business, I've probably taken higher risk because I'm betting on myself and the future of my business um, regardless of, you know, whether that's, that's farm ground, that's hog barns, that's opening another agency. That's, is that if I'm betting on myself, if I'm betting on potential up, um, I'm, I'm not, I'm not too afraid to go to borrow on that, you know, a house, you know, we borrow money for our house, right? Well, that's one thing. Now, if I start borrowing money, uh, on say, um, yeah, vehicles, I mean, TVs, I mean, what, whatever else you can borrow, you can borrow money on anything. You can borrow money to pay your insurance premium. Um, that That's kind of my take on it. But again, it's sometimes I get into this mindset to where it's like, well, man, I got to be all in with Dave Ramsey because look at the net worth he's created. I could live out Dave Ramsey's principles my entire life and still never have a billion dollar net worth because I don't have a company that size. I haven't you know, so on and so forth. I think what he's done is great. He found a, a, a deep need in the market and it's just exploded. Um, but I think the teachings on finances that he teaches run much deeper than just money. I mean, I think they're, you know, physical, spiritual, um, everything, so on and so forth. Um, but back to you, Jason, where do you see if you don't mind sharing some of your goals, some of your, your future aspirations for your channel, some of the things that you got coming down the pipeline that you want to share. Um, curious where you're, where you're at with that. You know, honestly, honestly, goals are very, <clears throat> they're, they're very real when, when you see a future with things and, and with my YouTube channel, I don't, I'm still throwing mud at the wall, trying to see what I can get to stick again and what I can do to, to change things. Um, but I've always liked collaborations. Honestly, some of my passions have started to change. So that in and of itself is a big deal. Uh, you think about like a, a 13 year old gamer that starts a YouTube channel and it's really successful. And then all of a sudden he's 18 years old and, He's done with video games and he doesn't know what to do next. Um, I have, I've started to think about getting into another niche. I'm not quite sure yet. I still like finance. I just, I wish I was a little more obsessed with the stock market because there is news every single day and it would be never ending content. But sometimes I feel like <clears throat> passion has started to shift a little bit. Um, because I, I just, I don't know how to explain it to you guys. Um, how old are you both? I'm 30 and Braden, you're 26. 26. Yeah. Okay. Because when I was in my mid twenties, I was, I was obsessed with money goals, like everything about getting the house paid off early, you know, not wasting all this money on interest and all this stuff. And, and now I, I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm only 37, but my perspective has changed in the sense that 
I want to help people with money, but I'm not obsessed with, with growing money. So as long as my income is stable and I can su supply the lifestyle that, that I'm happy with, then that's kind of where my goals end. I don't, I don't have a goal to have millions of dollars. I don't have a goal to have some giant house because frankly, I don't want to maintain it. I don't, I don't want to pay for a maid to take care of some giant house, not to mention the utility bills and everything else that nobody ever thinks about. Um, but yeah, my, my goals right now are to a, to just feel alive again with the channel. And mm -hmm. I don't know what I got to do to get there. And then, and then also I may or may not get into another niche. Um, trying to help people in kind of like the uh, psychology mm -hmm. section. So it does just, just from hearing you talk, Jason, it does sound like you have a heart that you do. You, that's kind of what fulfills you is helping people and, and, and adding value to people. Would, would you say that's true? Yeah. And you know what? I'm just going to get honest here. Cause I don't care. Um, my, my divorce ripped me in half and, and to think about all the things that I took advantage of when I was a husband that I didn't realize, you know, like the, the wife doing all the grocery shopping and all the cooking, I never realized until I was a single dad, how much effort and, and everything that is. Yeah. And so I just there there's a part of me and I, and I know this is ridiculous because I know that some marriages, they just need to end. And that's that. But at the same time, from what I've seen from having three young kids and being divorced, I, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I want to spend the rest of my life. Like trying to help people not do that. If, if it's salvageable, because what, because I'm now seeing the ripple effect. I've got, I've got another 15 years of child support and you want to talk about money, talk about divorce. As soon as your brain actually clicks in and you realize how much it costs to run two households and to, to do everything separate outside of that, it is, it is absolutely not as good of a value as it is being married even if you have credit card debt, even if you have all sorts of debt, because, because it just doesn't work like that. And so that's, that's what I'm struggling with now is that I've kind of lost my passion for like obsessive money thinking. And now my passion is kind of geared towards the, you, you, the things that really bring happiness and joy in life. Because uh, for a while there on my YouTube channel, I, I was making a lot of money. There, there were a few months easily where I was bringing in like between 15, 20 grand, which to most households, that's a very, very high income. Yes. So yes. my, my bills were easily paid. I don't have any debt because I do try to live the lifestyle that I project. And so once my bills were paid and I had this extra chunk of change, all it did was go into the bank because I didn't know what else to do with it. I didn't know what my future was going to hold. I didn't know if YouTube was going to continue doing that kind of revenue. And, and once it didn't, luckily I had the money to stay safe, but, but yeah, with those kind of ups and downs, you just can't assume that they're going to be like that forever. And yeah, if it, people change and, I'm sorry to go off on a rant here, but I just, yeah. money as, as Jason right now at 37 years old, money isn't everything. It's so, uh, so sorry, Brayden. I was just going to say, it's just, it's so interesting. There's a, there's a particular incident in my life, probably more, definitely more if I sat down and thought about it, but I, I would say all of us probably have had some incident in our lives if we've been on this earth long enough that picked us up and shook us a little bit. And through those traumatic experiences that we will unfortunately never forget, it does kind of reveal what we truly value. And 
what truly matters to us, what's really worth living for. And um, if there's anything we can take away from those unfortunate experiences, it's if there is something to be said for just knowing, okay, now, now I know why I get up every morning and, and to just have that more clear as far as what you truly value. There's, there's something to be said for that. Brayden, what were you, what were you going to say? Um, you know, I would say, um, so Lane, Lane and I are both, uh, believers. We're both believers in Christ. We both believe you rose again. Um, but, um, one of the things I find interesting is whether you believe in scripture or not, it calls out a lot of our, our natural instincts, calls out a lot of our desires. And to me, as a young individual, 26 years old, money seems to do that most easily to me, whether that's even more so than women or power or, or maybe money is part of the power. I don't necessarily know how that all works spiritually or emotionally, but it seems to me finances can be that out if you've had success. Like I, um, I can spend money to fulfill a desire I have and rationalize it because I have money or because I have had success. For example, you decide, you know, you can justify buying a brand new vehicle and call it work or a write-off, right? But what's it actually, I mean, sometimes it's satisfying my ego, right? And if I, that's one small example, but if I continue to let that build and build and build, I become shallower, although, um, you know, financially and and basically the facade I'm putting on looks brighter, but eternally I'm, I'm dying a little bit more because I'm chasing something that really, it brings attention, but it doesn't necessarily bring meaning and purpose. And I feel, Jason, you speaking from your heart, I can feel it coming from purpose, from experience, from like, listen, goals are fine, but raising my three kids and the impact I can have on them and through the ups and downs I've experienced, I know what's important. So I, I appreciate that. <clears throat> oh, no problem. I, uh, I just, I remember in my mid twenties watching a Christmas Carol mm -hmm. and actually thinking to myself, I really am. I really am like Scrooge, like not, not literally. I was never that horrible, but I just remember <clears throat> always thinking of money, like, like how much this costs, how much that costs. And, and I think sometimes it's okay to play games with yourself. You know, like if I buy myself a $20 or something, then I'll invest $20 in a dividend paying stock. Mm, yeah. And technically that's going to potentially pay me for the rest of my life. But, but yeah, when you, isn't there a scripture that says moderation in all things? I mean, yeah. I, I'm Mormon, so I don't know if it's coming from the scriptures or if it's coming from one of our, <coughs> but Mm -hmm. but yeah, moder moderation and all things that's, that's kind of where it is. And so if you're, if you're hyper-focused on money is probably a little too much. Um, you could go overboard on anything. You can go overboard on reading scriptures. You can go overboard on exercise. You can go overboard on diet and you got to keep moderation and all things, but it's okay to have money goals. I mean, it, it here, here's an example for you guys. I fell into the trap of wanting to know what passive income really was like. And when my YouTube channel took off enough to the point where I could quit my job, I truly was living a passive income lifestyle. Like all these people have this dream of this, this fire movement where they have everything paid off and they're retired and then they're done with, with working a nine to five. And, um, I got to admit at first it was nice to be able to do whatever the heck I wanted anytime I want. And I still enjoy that lifestyle. YouTube is still my full-time income. Um, I do not have a side job at this point, but it's now been 
almost three years, I think, that I've been full-time on YouTube. So living this passive lifestyle, <coughs> you call it, it's not a dream. It's a complete nightmare because there's, there's no routine. There's no, there's no discipline. It's just me. There's nobody else giving me deadlines. It's just me. And so the, the only stupid analogy that I can give you here is if you've ever played a video game and you put in a cheat code and you, and you get all the guns and the ammo that you want and you start playing it, it's really fun at first, but then all of a sudden it becomes completely meaningless because it's too easy. And, and life, life is not meant to be that easy. And so I'm, I'm living proof that this passive income bull crap mm -hmm. is absolutely not true. And it is a recipe for, in my opinion, um, a, a life that's not meaningful. And if, and if your life doesn't <clears throat> have meaning, then it really can strip your happiness. And we're all searching for happiness. We think that money will buy it. So <laughs> there you go. That's, that's my two yeah. cents. I love that. That's awesome. Because ultimately awesome. there's the fulfillment comes from the challenge. And like what you're saying is like, if you're truly in that passive income lifestyle where you're, you're that, that dream is, well, I don't want that challenge, but what with the loss, that challenge comes the loss of the fulfillment. In, in so many words. Follow, I'm sorry. Keep going. No, no, you're, no, you're good. I was just saying like, because I, I feel like we, we kind of, what what you were saying, Jason, is just like that. That dream is to I don't have to work the nine to five, and I can just literally do whatever I want because of this passive income. But I think what you're saying is is it's there's no challenge in that, and and with the challenge comes fulfillment, or comes the that's where the reward truly is, is when we can overcome a challenge. It, it, yeah, you're absolutely right. And do either of you guys follow Mark Manson? I don't. He wrote the book, The Living Art of Not Giving an F. Yeah, well, I've, heard of the, quite, I've heard the title. <laughs> it's quite crass. Um, I get it. It's, it's very bad language. But I am telling you guys, I, I'm not really on his same page on religion because I, I, he obviously has totally different philosophies there. <laughs> but his advice on relationships, goals, everything like that is absolutely, I think, spot on. Interesting. And he said, the secret to happiness is purpose. So as long as your life or whatever the heck you're doing has some sort of purpose, some sort of fulfillment, then, then you're going to be happy. And, and it's as simple as that. It's not, it, that's it. And so if you're working a nine to five and you, if you don't mind your job and it's giving you routine and purpose, then no complaints there. Yeah, it's fine. I love it. It keeps <clears throat> you busy. Yeah. No, you're, yeah. I, I feel like, uh, I, I'm, I'm playing so many scenarios through in my own head that I've, you know, one small example is, is I wanted to do something outside of the farm because I thought, you know, dreams and, and chasing bigger and better things was, was ultimately what was going to bring me contentment and happiness, right. And, and, and peace in those things that I was consuming. And my life has become really complex compared to the simple life that I was living on the farm to a certain degree. And, and sometimes I look back and I wish it's like, man, if I would have just stuck it out, if I would have just stuck it out, put my head down and just stuck it out. I look back on some of my siblings that are on the farm. Um, I look back at, you know, my parents and it's just like, man, some, sometimes I wish, sometimes I wish I had that lifestyle to a certain, to a certain point, but I will also say it's the challenges that in the mountain that I'm climbing right now, that makes me feel alive. Some days it crushes me. Other days I'm completely electric. So I'm working through those um, at a young age and trying to figure those out as well. But you reiterating that, Jason, um, is really reaffirming um, to me um, and, and, and means a lot. So because Braden, that. Braden, what you were saying is, is if, if you 
if you were back working with your family on the farm, there was less risk there. There was more security there. Mm-hmm. And so that's why sometimes mm-hmm. you think of like, oh, maybe I should have just stuck that out. Right. Right. Um, but, but it's just, it's just weird conundrum of I am who I am today because I've literally got beat in the face so many times and I will continue to grow because of the, the pressure I put on. But, but what I hear Jason saying is a good reminder of like, listen, like sometimes you need to slow down. You need to be thankful for where you're at and, and, and enjoy those because that golden egg or that golden, that, that, that whatever you're pursuing, whether that's passive income, like Jason was talking about, you're going to get there and you're going to think you have it. And then all of a sudden you lose everything uh, because what you were chasing didn't fulfill you. It wasn't what you wanted. And so I know we hear it all the time, but it sometimes happens to be the, the hamster on the wheel. We just keep running. Um, so, but it, yeah. Anyway, sorry. I got one off on a, rampage ourselves. No, it's okay. You just, I mean, I'm, I'm just not old enough here to speak enough wisdom, but don't, don't chase the, um, don't chase the wrong golden egg. I, I read a quote that said the two most important people that will ever talk to you is your 13 year old self and your 80 year old self. And they both want to know if you lived a good life. And I, I think when you think back on your little 13 year old self on the dreams you used to have, my gosh, I hope that, I hope that you're living a life that that little kid would be proud of. Cause, cause if you're doing a bunch of dirty, rotten, I'm just, I don't think most people are doing that kind of stuff, but if, if you're being dishonest in your dealings and, you know, and you're not, and you're maybe getting ahead in life because of cheating, that, that's not okay. And I don't, I don't think any normal kid would be proud of that kind of dishonesty. And when, and when you're old and your life is over, I'm pretty sure you want to look back and, you know, be grateful for the things that really mattered, not how much money you have in the bank account or how many Pulitzer prizes you have anything like that. I mean, I, I get that those are all goals on this earth, but they're just not things that matter in terms of the real value. You yeah. know, we, when it comes to, when it comes to growth, when it comes to happiness and purpose, so much of it comes down to a balance. We talked about um, that, that scripture that talks about moderation, all things I was, I was on my phone. I was trying to find it and I, I, I couldn't find it probably. It'll probably come to me later, but I was just thinking as both of you were talking, it really comes down to a balance of seeking something that is beyond you, that something that, which you, you see as valuable and worthy of your time, of your money, of your effort. But at the same time, not allowing yourself to lose sight of that which is right in front of you. It's, there's a balance there because, like we said, I, th- I think both of you kind of brought this up or alluded to this in one way or another. But if you are so focused on that golden egg to the point where you don't cherish the moments that you have with, with your loved ones or just w- maybe it's even with your physical health or whatever, if you don't care for those things, acknowledge those things, and truly be present with those things, all of a sudden you're going to achieve that golden egg, and that's all you're going to have. And that's, that's, that purpose is, you're not going to have that purpose there. The, the memories aren't going to be there. The relationships won't be there. Or maybe you don't even have the health to enjoy that golden egg. And then at the same time, I think there are those that are a little too content to the point where they become complacent and all they're focused on is, you know, Friday night and the next time they get to go hang out with their friends or the next vacation. And it's like, well, that's not really healthy either because then you're going to look back in, in 30 years and be like, I did nothing with my life, but just, just pursue pleasure. 
And I don't know it's just something I've been contemplating lately because I've got I've got two very young kids right now, and I'm I'm really um, wanting to cherish these these young years because I know they'll they're you know they're growing every day, and I want to cherish every moment of it. Braden's got um, uh, three, three, three kids. <laughs> Your wife's pregnant with the fourth. So I, I was, I was right. confused there for a second, but so it's like, I want to cherish these moments. I want to, <clears throat> you know, my wife and I, we got pregnant fairly early after our marriage. And, um, and so we've had in the last several years now, it's been, it's been us and, and children and um, I'm trying to also not let the distractions of being a parent distract me from being a husband. So I truly am trying to be present with what I have, truly cherish the moments, and just tr- truly enjoy the blessings God has given me. But at the same time, I don't want to become too content to where I don't grow. I still want to pursue and become better, whether that's as a businessman, as, as um, a husband, as a father. <clears throat> What what are you guys, Jason? We'll kind of start with you. What are your kind of thoughts on that? As far as like it's it's about it's it's that balance of being enjoying what you have, but at the same time having those aspirations and that momentum to to grow and to chase a higher purpose. Uh, I I don't think there's anything wrong with trying to achieve a higher purpose. Just just absolutely make sense. Make sure that it does not trump what really is important. Okay. So if, if you've got to work extra hours, you know, to pursue some goals, as long as that's short term, then I think it's fine. You know, if it's, if it's a year or two, you, you know, if you have to take night classes because you want to achieve more in your schooling, I don't see anything wrong with that. It's not, it's not necessarily going to hurt your family, but if you, if you take it to the next level and you work 60 hours a week, your entire life, and you never have weekends with your kids. And like Dave Ramsey says, he says, rice and beans, no vacations. Like I got to be honest, man, kids grow up really fast. And when they're really young is when they're super impressionable. And frankly, when they have fun going on trips, so you don't have to take them to Disney world, but, you know, you can take them camping. So yeah, just keep goals alive because it's important for you as a human being to make sure that you're growing. Because if you're not taking care of yourself first, then that's going to have a ripple effect on your kids and your wife and potentially your job and your health. Yeah. So make sure that you take your, you know, like if, if you like to exercise, you, you know, and you, and you like mountain biking, then do that in moderation. I don't, I don't, I don't like these stories of husbands that golf every single day. I I was obsessed with snowboarding up until probably 30 years old. And, and I was gone every Saturday, every Saturday since I can remember. And I'm thinking, you know, (laughs) it's maybe a little too much. So that's my, that's my say. All right, we'll hit the pause button right there, and we'll continue this conversation with Jason next week. What a powerful message from Jason. This conversation made both Braden and myself consider our goals and what we are giving up to achieve them. It may be worth it, but stop and make sure you know that what is being sacrificed isn't worth more than the goal itself. Make sure you're following us on Instagram, at Inquire Inside. Thank you all very much for tuning in today, and we'll catch you next time.